Hey guys, welcome back to that Florida feeling. How's everybody doing? It's the first podcast of 2022, so that's kind of exciting. Did you guys have a good start to the year? Mine's just kind of been work and I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, But I hope if you did celebrate, you had so much fun. And if you're still celebrating, that's great. Um, Did anybody make New Year's resolutions? I, I don't know if I'm making a resolution or just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say it's a resolution because, like, you know, you'll break it. But, you know, I'm trying new things for the new year. First of all, thank you so much for the likes, follows, and subscribes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. You guys are so amazing for that. And for everybody who participates in the polls and questions, uh, Hotels won over Airbnb on Instagram, which, I don't know. I can't say I'm surprised. I like Airbnbs, but if you can rent, like, the whole house... Or, like, when they do hotel rooms. I, I just can't rent a room from somebody. I feel, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's not something for me. Um, but then on Facebook, nobody, nobody picked camping. That kind of surprised me. I thought there was a few more outdoors people. I mean, I'm not going to pick camping. But I thought somebody else would. So, I just found that interesting. I don't know why. Um, I also wanted to let you guys know that I did start a blog for the podcast on WordPress. And it's called That Florida Feel. You can check it out. And it's really just blurbs. Like... Random weekly things on Florida that don't make up an episode, probably have nothing to do with any other episode, but I'm just like, hey, you should know this about Florida. Like this week I talked about it snowing in Florida, guys. Yes, it snowed. Can you believe it? I mean, like it flurried, but that's that's snow to Floridians. Um, <laughs> it was up in the panhandle um, in Okaloosa County, and which is really funny because when we moved here, it actually snowed and ice stormed in January 2014. So I knew it was possible. I just didn't think it would happen again so quickly. So I did do a video today on Instagram and I shared it to Facebook to the to the page and group on Facebook, but we saw a huge alligator. I was at Sawgrass Lake Park with Matthew um and we were we were just walking. We'd never been. There was an observation tower. I was like, "Oh, let's go overlook the lake." And I'm showing you guys the lake and bam, 10-foot alligator comes out of nowhere. They are super camouflaged, you guys. Um uh, Got to see it swim along. It messed with a turtle. I was yelling at it not to eat the turtle. <laughs> so if you and and if you watch the video, I'm sorry, I did cuss a little bit because it was just like right there. Um, so that was really cool. And then we got to see another alligator in the same lake, um, a smaller one. But it was just a really cool moment because I really just were going out there to do a live video, and bam, ten foot alligator out of nowhere. So that was kind of fun. So watch the video and hear me freak out and sound really southern, and that's okay. <laughs> But let's talk about something else that Florida is known for, not just alligators. Uh, let's talk about Florida lighthouses. I mentioned to you guys that I was going to do this, and I think in one of my polls, a lot of people picked lighthouses, so I was really excited to get to do this episode. You guys seem really interested about it, so here it is. And I actually find it really interesting, but also not surprising, but kind of surprising, that uh, Florida doesn't have the most lighthouses. Michigan does. Um That was what surprised me. I mean, Florida has a lot of lighthouses that dot the sunny, rocky shores. And there's still about 30 that are in use. Uh, 10 you can actually still visit. A couple more that are open like once a month or something. But I didn't realize. I just thought we had more than 30 still in use and that we, I don't know, Michigan beat us. Which I guess the Great Lakes and all that kind of makes sense. But but lighthouses are still important. Uh, Seriously important to Florida because we're surrounded by oceans. The currents, hurricanes, the reefs, a lot of different things, sandbars, 
a lot of different things that make up Florida's uh, uniqueness also kind of make up the reason to need lighthouses. And they do dot the coast, and they even sit in super remote locations. In fact, some are built in open waters to warn people of a reef around that particular spot. And of course, some are on small islands that dot the coast. But lighthouses have been in use in Florida since the early 1800s. Although when I was doing the research on this, it did say that the Spanish kind of had a version of the lighthouse when they landed in St. Augustine. So I have a feeling they were definitely used before the 1800s. They just may not quite have looked like they do now. So let's just start off with the first lighthouse in Florida. And the first lighthouse in Florida was Cape Floral Light that was constructed in 1825. And that was to guide mariners off of the Florida Reef because the Florida Reef sits um, pretty close to the shore um, in South Florida. Now, the light was for ships sailing around the reef that extends from Key Biscayne and goes a few miles off the Florida Keys. So it starts near Miami and goes all the way down. Um, and the lighthouse that was first built was 65 feet tall. It was a tower made of solid brick that was five feet thick at the bottom, and it skinnied up or tapered up to two feet thick at the top. And the lighthouse was first manned by Captain John Dubose, and that was for 10 years. And he did that for 10 years until a hurricane hit it in 1835. And surprise, when they found the hurricane after the, sorry, when they found the lighthouse after the hurricane, they found out that the builder had seriously skimped on building the lighthouse. Uh, instead of it making this massive structure, he built it with hollow walls. And that's why the hurricane damaged it so badly. Uh, the lighthouse, the keeper's quarters, and the island suffered major damage, partially because the whole island was three feet underwater. I would say that would be a reason to suffer a lot of damage, too. So, they kind of rebuilt it. They kind of left it. Um, but the lighthouse continued on, and it served as a safe haven during the Second Seminole War, uh, which was only a little around, actually around that same time. Uh, it was eventually compromised, though, in 1836, causing the U.S. Navy to fortify it. And there was actually even a battle that happened outside of the lighthouse, and that caused the lighthouse to be set on fire, which, of course, damaged it beyond repair. So they had to kind of let it go. Um, but the cool thing about the lighthouse, it's, an, it's a really interesting story. I, had to, I read it because I was like, why, did, why would they use it as safe haven? But so apparently during the Seminole War, the U.S. Navy did fortify it, and the battle that happened out actually caused the men to be driven up into the lighthouse and the um, natives to actually set fire to the lighthouse to pretty much stop their escape. And it did. It actually burned the stairs and it burned most of the walls. And one person survived, uh, but the lighthouse was pretty much beyond repair. Uh, so I just thought that was really interesting that they actually chose a lighthouse to use as a safe point, which kind of makes sense because you got the high ground. But I, I don't know. I guess it was just really interesting to me. Um so, they did rebuild the lighthouse in 1846 from the old bricks and using some new bricks. Uh, they kind of wanted to keep part of the original tower around, so they used the old bricks. And they did use this lighthouse until 1855, and they realized that it just wasn't tall enough. Um, although, I would have thought that they would have thought of that when they rebuilt it, but whatever. Ten, about 10 years later, they realized it wasn't tall enough, and they needed to raise it to 95 feet. And they needed to get that light to extend beyond the offshore reefs. And so they extended it, and the light was actually used on and off for 
pretty pretty long time. Uh, they didn't actually repair it so much as they should have, but it finally got a restoration again in 1913. And that was only because it was sold to a private individual, which I didn't realize that people sold lighthouses to private individuals. But again, things happen, and they did. And the U.S. government actually hadn't meant to sell it, to sell it to the private individual. Um, I guess they realized it just a little bit too late. Other side note: Did you guys hear about the town in Florida or the the Florida city that sold its water tower on accident? I guess it's kind of the same thing. Um, but they did sell it to an, a private individual, and after some back and forth, it was finally proven that James Deering did in fact own the land and the lighthouse. Um, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he had a huge Deering estate near Miami, which you can hear about on my Florida, um, Haunted Florida. But back to James Deering owning a lighthouse. He was actually the one who started the restoration and is the main reason that the lighthouse didn't fall when the 1926 Miami hurricane hit the area. And that was a really, really bad hurricane and it caused a lot of damage. But because he had taken the time to restore it and shore it up, it didn't go anywhere. The new concrete foundation and the steel casings was actually the main reason that that lighthouse survived. Now, the state of Florida finally bought Key Biscayne and the lighthouse in 1966. And the area became Bill Bagg's Cape Florida State Park. Which, side note, I did talk about in one of my other Florida, I believe it's Florida State Parks Part 2. And it's a really cool state park. Uh, The state has actually preserved... The land, the lighthouse, and it even recreated the keeper's dwelling. So they did take, they've taken really good care of it, and they've even worked to preserve it and to show how it would have been uh, back when the lighthouse was in full use. Now, the lighthouse at the Cape Florida State Park was officially decommissioned in 1990, and it's actually survived a couple more close calls from Hurricane Andrew and, of course, the beach erosion. Now, the Dade County Historical Society and the state did a joint restoration from 1995 to 1996 to restore the lighthouse, and they included a museum, and that showed the maritime history of Florida. They did relight the lighthouse in 1996 for the Miami Centennial Celebration, and the Florida Department of Environmental Protection now actually owns the lighthouse. They also installed a sign in 2004 to commemorate the site as the escape of hundreds of black slaves and black Seminoles to the Bahamas in the 19th century as part of the National Underground Railroad Network to the Freedom Trail. And that is really cool. That is something I talk about in the state parks when I'm talking about it. Um, This state park is actually a really amazing, full of history state park. And it was one of the places that actually helped to work to the Underground Railroad to um, help free the slaves and the Seminoles who were not being treated nicely and should never have been slaves in the first place. So you can still visit the lighthouse today as part of the Bill Baggs Cape Florida State Park. The state park is open 365 days a year, and it does have the wide variety of activities for everyone. Uh, the lighthouse does open for tours from 10 a- at 10 a.m. and at 1 p.m. every day. So you can go every day, except on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I hate when they say that. They're like, you can go 365 days a year, except. Um, which, I mean, I guess you should shut it down for a couple days and give people days off. Uh, but you can go on the tours 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. The lighthouse is 109 stairs to the top, not the tallest, and it does offer some amazing sweeping views of the area. So if you're ever in South Florida, this is definitely a state park to check out and a lighthouse that will give you some really cool views of not only the ocean, but of also parts of Miami. So if you're in the area, you should definitely check it out. Um, Again, it's in a state park, so you can do camping, hiking, 
um, fishing, swimming. There's even a place you can dock boats. So it's just kind of a cool thing that offers something for everybody, and it includes a lighthouse. Now, the next lighthouse I want to talk about is one that's unique, and you've actually probably seen pictures of it because it's such a cool lighthouse, and it's because it also literally sits in the ocean. Um, This lighthouse is actually four miles east of Indian Key, and I'm talking about Alligator Reef Light, and this is only accessible by boat or watercraft. Um, I see a lot of pictures of people at it with jet skis. It's one of the few that just sits in the reef and to literally protect people from the reef it's sitting in. And this lighthouse was established in 1873 and the light was named for the U.S. Navy schooner Alligator that was part of the U.S. Navy anti-piracy squad that was established out of Key West. So yes, U.S. Navy had a piracy, anti-piracy squad. Side note, if you want to hear about that, you can check out the um, pirate episode I did a couple, I think it was last month. Or two months ago. But this this Navy schooner was is, come, came out of Key West as part of that anti-piracy squad. And it actually ran aground on the reef where the light stands. And that's why they named it Alligator Reef Light. Um, due to the boat that ran aground on it. And this is a natural reef. Uh, the reef, unfortunately, those came countless vessels. And they get stuck on the jagged coral that they don't see. And this coral does not sit too far below the water. So, um... It is pretty much of a hazard. Definitely a need for a lighthouse. And it, the light still sits there today. Um, it was decommissioned in 2015. But you can take boats and jet skis to see the lighthouse. It's actually an amazing place to also go snorkeling. And it's really unique uh, just because it sits near Florida in its reef. So if you ever get the chance, definitely somewhere to go check out. You can get some really cool pictures out there. And say that you visited the reef and the lighthouse. The next lighthouse I want to talk about is actually one of the oldest continuous lighthouses in Florida. And the reason that I say that is because uh, the one we talked about first that was the oldest has not been continuous. The Amelia Island Light is actually the oldest and continuous in Florida. And the lighthouse is located on the north end of Amelia Island, right right near Georgia. And the light marks the St. Mary's entrance and the inlet leading to the St. Mary's River on the Cumberland Sound at the harbor of Fernandina Beach. The lighthouse was built in 1838 using materials from decommissioned lighthouses that was on the Cumberland Island in Georgia. So this lighthouse literally is right at the border of Florida and Georgia. Now the tower for this was only 50 feet tall on a hill. The hill adds some height, y'all. And the, the light sat there for 50 years, but finally they realized that they needed to increase the height in 1881. um, And a lantern was actually installed on top of it so it added 14 feet making it a total of 64 feet and the light has continued to shine it was automated in 1970 and it's still in use today the lighthouse actually now belongs to the city of Fernandina Beach and it is maintained as a historical monument more than anything you can visit the lighthouse grounds on certain hours on Saturdays this is one of those I told you that only opens at certain times Um, and if you're lucky you can take a tour of the lighthouse that's offered twice a month by the city You can actually go on the website, though, and kind of see they do a virtual thing, and that was really cool. That's how I got to look at it. And you can see inside the lighthouse. The lighthouse is officially on the National Register of Historic Places as of 2003. So the next time you are in Fernandina Beach, go a little bit further and check out this really cool little lighthouse. Um, You can see pictures of it. It is really, it's cute. It's just a cute little lighthouse. Um, 
it's not very tall. Again, you most people have never been inside of it, but it's definitely a very cool part of Florida history. So you should definitely check it out if you're ever in that area. Now let's talk about a famous lighthouse in Florida. And the famous lighthouse in Florida that I'm talking about is, and you're probably screaming St. Augustine at me, but no, I am talking about the Ponce de Leon Inlet Light, which is located on Ponce de Leon Inlet in Central Florida. The lighthouse was originally built actually south of where you see it today, their first lighthouse that was built in the area, and it was in Mosquito Inlet. That's just a fitting name for that area. But when they built the first lighthouse, the oil for the lamp was never delivered and, surprise, surprise, a storm hit and damaged the lighthouse. Now, it wasn't bad enough uh, for the lighthouse to be destroyed, but it pretty much left it, I wouldn't say complete disrepair, but it was bad. Uh, but because it's Florida, that's not bad enough. The lighthouse also then, again, was attacked by... Uh, during a battle in the Second Seminole War in 1835. Again, stairs were burned, and this time they actually smashed the lantern. So whatever was left of the lighthouse is now pretty much useless, and they decided to abandon the area and the tower shortly after the ransacking. Now, the original tower is not there today because it collapsed about a year later. So 1836-ish, the lighthouse that would have been there is collapsed and now gone but they still needed a lighthouse the inlet was known for areas of shipwrecks and there was definitely still that need for a lighthouse in the area but i think they were gun shy because it literally took them 30 more years to try again um in 1883 they finally decided that after more wrecks they seriously needed to do this again and build another tower so they did, and they completed the tower in 1887, and that was across from where they had built the original one on the north side now. And they lit it the same year. Everything was delivered this time, and they actually deliver, delivered it and lit it and got it in operation. And that was in 1887. The tower is 170 feet high, and it does have 203 stairs to the top. So one of the taller lighthouses. Now, the original lighthouse that was built there the one that still stands today was a kerosene lamp um i feel for those people who had used to carry kerosene all the way to the top to keep it lit but they did electrify this one in, in 1933 and kept it running it has been since decommissioned the lighthouse though was actually decommissioned and abandoned in 1970 so this tower just sat there unused and the city of ponce inlet took over the light station and the Lighthouse Preservation Association was formed, and they decided that they wanted to turn this lighthouse into a museum. The lighthouse was added to the National Register of Historic Places. The lighthouse was also turned back on in 1818. 18, wow, I'm sorry, y'all. I went backwards a lot. 1982, the light was turned back on. And the only reason they did this is because new construction was blocking the Coast Guard beacon that was further down the coast. The lighthouse and grounds were also restored and even designated a national landmark in 1998. The grounds and tower are open to the public today. You can actually go and visit it. It's really pretty. It's beautiful. You can go to the top. You can see the amazing sweeping views of the Atlantic and the surrounding areas. But the cool thing is, is that the actual grounds itself are just as equally beautiful. Um, they did a really good job to preserve this lighthouse and the area around it. 
And so it's kind of a fun day for everybody. You can picnic, you can walk around, there's trails, of course there's the lighthouse, and of course you don't want to miss the views from the top. Um, they do open, of course, they recommend if you're going to walk to the top, wear tennis shoes, don't, if it's raining, know that it's slippery kind of thing. They do shut down for inclement weather, obviously, but if you're ever in that area, and it's, it sits just, it's between Daytona Beach and Vero Beach, if I'm thinking of the right area. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I am. It's south of Daytona. Um, but you can go and you can visit. And if you've ever seen, if you're th- trying to still trying to figure out which one I am, it's the, the red one. <laughs> it's the red lighthouse in Florida. Um, and it's really cool. It's in a beautiful area. Uh, so if you ever get the chance, if you're in that area to go, you want to do like a day trip, definitely go check out the Ponce Inlet Lighthouse. Uh, you won't be disappointed. The next lighthouse I'm going to talk about is located back on the west coast and that's the cedar key light um and it's on cedar key well, actually just kidding it's actually on seahorse key which is across from cedar key but they call it the cedar key light and if you're trying to figure out where cedar key is it's basically in the armpit of florida like right at the bend and this lighthouse was actually originally set up in 1801 so it's an older one and it was by william augustus bowell and he was the self-proclaimed director general of the state of Muskegee because he wanted to be an independent state in the western part of Florida. He wanted to create an independent state in the western part of Florida and turn Florida, I guess, into east and west Florida. I don't know. But this was, he actually built this lighthouse. He built it, he manned it, and it only stood for a year because when the Spanish figured out what this man was doing, they didn't want to deal with it. And the Spanish Navy destroyed the lighthouse in 1802. <laughs> so, obviously that lighthouse is not standing anymore. But the area still needed a lighthouse. Now, Seashore uh, Key, where it sits, or Seashore Island, was originally used as a detention center for the Seminoles that were captured in the Second Seminole War, and it was reserved for the U.S. government for military use only. Now, the lighthouse was forgotten for a while because Cedar Key became important in the 1840s and 1850s because it was really the only port on the western side of the state for a while, and since there was now more traffic and the waters were a little bit different, they realized that they needed, they actually did need a lighthouse. This man had been right this whole time. So, as the port grew, um, the lighthouse need obviously grew, and U.S. Congress finally approved and appropriated funding for the lighthouse on Seahorse Key so they could build a new one and a better one. And this happened in 1854. And the lighthouse stood until it was extinguished, extinguished by Confederate sympathizers in 1861. So, they put it out. (laughs) <laughs> which seems really, sorry guys, which seems really strange because if you're still sailing in there, don't you need to see where you're going? But, okay, it's fine. Seahorse Key, though, was again reoccupied by federal troops in 1862 and the light was brought back. Now, the area around the key and the lighthouse uh, was once again used as a prison during the Civil War. The lighthouse, though, continued to be put in use on and off. Uh, It even did get a renovation. It actually tripled its size in 1905, and that's because in 1905, a wireless Navy station was established on Seahorse Key. So now it was a lighthouse and I believe it was a telegraph, they said, telegraph station. And they continued to use this light 
And you can actually still see the Naval Station today, which is kind of cool. But the light was taken out of commission in 1915. Although it is still an important part today, as it does sit on Cedar Key National Wildlife Refuge. This refuge was created in 1929 to protect the wildlife area. And the lighthouse is used as part of the Seahorse Key Marine Laboratory. This is another one of those where you can get the website to see the virtual tour and the interior of the lighthouse. Uh, they don't do tours, unfortunately, for this one, uh, but so you can do a virtual tour of it. It's really cool. It doesn't look like your typical lighthouse because it it's like just it looks like a house with like a tower. Um, so it's definitely cool to go look online and check that out. The light was reactivated in 2019 after a century of being dark, and the actual lighthouse is open to the public four times a year. So you can go. And see it, but only during certain days. And the open houses allow the public to experience the peacefulness, the history, and the national environment that the key does have to offer. Because uh, Seahorse Key is limited on visits because it is a national wildlife refuge and they don't want people to go in and tear it up. And you can actually even tour the pre-Civil War lighthouse during these times and see the renovations that help to preserve this lighthouse to this day. Which, of course, the... Um, Naval key, the Naval Station definitely did help in the preservation of this lighthouse. So if you're ever there during certain times of the year, and it really didn't give me anything right now, I think because with all this other COVID stuff going on again, they're not setting dates. But if you're ever in that area and you want to go check something out that, and you're into history, that would definitely be something really fun to see. Um, That's kind of on my bucket list now for Florida. The next lighthouse I want to talk about is Jupiter Inlet Lights, and it's another popular one on the east coast of Florida. Of course, it's further down south Florida. The lighthouse is on the north side of Jupiter Inlet, and the specific spot that the lighthouse sits on is actually a junction of the Indian River and the Jupiter Inlet. Now, this specific place, though, was also a meeting place for ancient Native American tribes for possibly thousands of years, and that is because this site is a strategic one. And that's why it was also chosen by the U.S. Army and surveyors as where the light should be put. President Franklin Pierce set aside six and a half acres on Fort Jupiter Reservation for the lighthouse to specifically be built just in that spot. And it was built in 1854. Or it began to be built in 1854. The lighthouse was finished in May of 1860 and lit in July of 1860, just before the Civil War. Now, a weather bureau and signal station were also established on the lighthouse grounds in 1889. This lighthouse also has a wireless Navy telegraph station on the grounds, and that was established in 1890. So these grounds are also very important. Uh, the grounds were expanded in 1930 with a couple more acres to hold the lighthouse, the lighthouse keeper's house, a radio beacon, a power station, and several other outbuildings used for the military. And the U.S. Navy does... Did ha does still does kind of do have power over this area. Um, they officially took over the tower and stations in 1936, but then gave control over to the tower and some of the buildings to the Coast Guard in 1939. Now, the Loxahatchee River Historical Society was founded on the sole basis to preserve the area and the history, which included the lighthouse. Um, they wanted to keep it. They wanted to make sure that it was preserved, especially since... Um, with all the history of the Native Americans in the area. They felt that it was a need to be preserved, to be funded, to show off, to talk about all the history of the area. And it's really, really cool that they do, they did and still do preserve these for future generations to learn about Florida and about what was in Florida and about how Florida became about and all that kind of really cool stuff. 
So this historical society opened an oil house museum in 1973, and public tours began after permission was given by the U.S. Coast Guard. Of course, since the Coast Guard ran it, they needed permission to be able to go and give these tours, which I find really funny. But um, the lighthouse was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1973. And then by 1988, the society had opened the Florida History Museum and Center just across from the tower. Now, the Historical Society has also agreed to maintain the lighthouse and give public tours. These tours do, in fact, go all the way. You can go to the top of the lighthouse. Now, the tour, the tours are run. Okay, this is one of those, again, where, like, it's mostly open, but there are days where it's not open, but they're sporadic. Um, I kind of wish everything just had a set schedule. Now, the tower did undergo a restoration project in 1999 to fix weather damage to the tower and, of course, to stabilize it. The Historical Society also opened a visitor center in one of the old military buildings, which you can still visit today. And the Historical Society today operates the Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse and the lighthouse that sits in Lighthouse Park. Again, another one of those really cool day trips where you can go visit the lighthouse, you can go up to the top, you can see the beautiful views around it, and you can also enjoy the grounds around the lighthouse. Um, I think a lot of lighthouses actually do that. I know the one in St. Augustine, you can, there's little trails around it, and you can see the tower and the lightkeeper. So it's, it's really cool that they've all preserved all this history that involves not just the tower itself, but the things that went with it. Now, like I said, you can take a tour to the top of this lighthouse and see other exhibits in this park. Um, the tours to the lighthouse are conducted daily, again, sporadic days, um, around the base and the grounds. You can also visit the museum and Secret Station J. Now, Secret Station J is a U.S. Naval Supplement radio station. The museum is in the original Naval Married Men's Quarters, so the actual museum is in an, in an old U.S. Naval building. And the Tyndall Pioneer House is the earliest house in Jupiter, still standing, and it allows visitors to see how life along the Loxahatchee was for the pioneers. The Lighthouse Keeper's Quarters, you can also tour and see how they lived during the times of lighthouses, as it was one of the main ways to save wayward ships in the area. They also built a Seminole Chicky, and that is a tribute to the Seminole people and their way of life and the relationship with the Lighthouse Keepers. This was built in May of 2009. The main thing that you can see around the Lighthouse is the outstanding nature, and there's actually 25 special status species or protected wildlife in that area. There is cultural evidence of human occupation and even hiking trails that overlooks the lagoons around the lighthouse. So it's a great glimpse into the past while preserving the land that we are now, as well as giving you beautiful views of the area. So if you're ever down in Jupiter, I definitely recommend checking this one out as well. It is one of those day trips that you can go and you can experience and explore not only the past of the lighthouse, but the past of the area, which is really cool that they have preserved that. Edgemont Key Light is going to be the next lighthouse I want to talk about on our tour of lighthouses around Florida. The lighthouse is one of the oldest structures in the Tampa Bay area, and it is actually still used for its original purpose. The first light built on Edgemont Key was built in 1848, and it was the only lighthouse at that time between Key West and St. Mark's. The lighthouse, though, didn't stand long as a hurricane hit the island in September of 1848, so only a few months, and the island co was covered in six feet of water. The hurricane damaged the new lighthouse, and the keeper was only able to survive by riding out the storm in a small boat that he tied to a tree. 
Once the storm had passed, the keeper surveyed the storm, saw the damage to the lighthouse, and went back to Tampa Bay, or went back through Tampa Bay to Tampa to never come back again. I guess he noped out of there. I cannot imagine what the damage would have looked like then to just be like, yo, I'm out. I don't need this. But nonetheless, the tower, even though it was damaged, continued to stand. Um, another hurricane hit a few weeks later that caused even more damage. And the second hurricane that hit caused beach erosion and even more damage to the tower that was catastrophic. So it's probably a good thing the lighthouse keeper didn't stay. Because after the second hurricane, the, the tower was close to toppling. And then after another hurricane in 1852, they realized that they were going to have to fix the tower sooner rather than later. And they finally got around to just rebuilding the tower in 1857. And when they rebuilt it, they decided to move it 90 feet inland at the time to deal with the erosion problems that they had been dealing with from its original location. Now, the reconstruction on the tower was finished in 1858, and the lighthouse was put back into commission immediately. Of course, the lighthouse had some ups and downs. The lens was later removed by the Confederates during the Civil War to attempt to frustrate the Union Navy when it was trying to blockade Tampa Bay. Now, the lighthouse was continued to be manned and eventually taken over in 1990, and it was one of the lighthouse last lighthouses in the U.S. to be automated, which I found that to be amazing. Someone had to carry that bucket of kerosene up. Ooh. But it is automated. And it still stands to this day. Beach erosion is, again, something that is having to deal with since its original location and now dealing with it in the current location where you see it to this day. The lighthouse that sits on Edgemont Key and the entire island is actually on the National Register of Historic Places. And it also is a national wildlife refuge and a state park. So this one just kind of has a little bit of everything. Robert E. Lee was actually on the island during the original surveying and building of the tower, and he actually recommended a strategic defense work be built due to its location. The island does have a long history that includes being used as prisoners for Seminoles during the Seminole War, but due to the location, um, many of them didn't make it off the island. Um, the Seminole Wars were not a good time in Florida, and I will probably do a podcast on that, but, um... Yeah, it was a bad, it was a dark time in Florida. Um, and unfortunately, many of the Seminoles did not make it out of that prison and were buried on Edgemont Key. The island also was used by the Confederate blockade runners and Union as an island for, as a prison, prison island. Words are hard, y'all. As a prison island and then a refugee, f- refugee, God. Again, words, y'all. Refuge for pro-Union sympathizers. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> Reading is hard some days. Now, the island also has a cemetery for Union and Confederates uh, soldiers. It was opened in 1854, and it was closed in 1909 as bodies were moved to other military cemeteries. So that cemetery, that specific cemetery is no longer there. Um, the island, though, is home to Fort Dade that was established at the beginning of the Spanish-American War. And the fort was made to create protection for Tampa Bay and the other channels around the island. The hospital at the fort was also used to quarantine soldiers returning from Cuba. So the entire island lighthouse has got just a it's it's a very historic part of florida um especially through the confederate and seminole wars now the lighthouse does still stand on the island and you can visit it today you can visit the lighthouse uh and you can see that they're still working to preserve preserve the lands and restore the lighthouse the island is a florida state park so therefore it is open every day you can swim fish look for shells snorkel picnic and hike the island to look at the wildlife and birds on the key 
Side note, the island is only accessible by boat and is south of Fort DeSoto. So, um, you cannot actually go in the lighthouse right now, but you can see it if you can get to Edgemont Key via watercraft. Um, so it is a little bit south of Fort DeSoto, which is at the end of Pinellas County. Now, the last lighthouse on our tour is a little bit different, as this lighthouse set on a different kind of shore. Not the shore of the ocean, but one of a river. The Volusia Bar Light set in the inlet of a St. An, in an inlet of the St. John's River in an area near the south end of Lake George in Florida. Of Lake... Oh, God. Okay. South end of Lake George in Lake George, Florida. Got it that time. Okay. The lighthouse has a dark past and was constructed in 1886. Now, the house remained even after the light was taken out of service in 1916, but remained in location with a foghorn to still serve as a warning for passing boats on the river. Now, the, the, we're going to say the light, but the house remained active until, eight, until 1943. But unfortunately, the building no longer stands as vandals burned it down in 1974. You can, however, still see the foundation pilings that do reach above the waterline in the river. Now, you're probably wondering why I've included this lighthouse. Um, because it, I mean, yes, it is a lighthouse. Yes, it sits on a river. But I couldn't pass up a haunted lighthouse. Not another one in Florida. And I'll tell you why. And that's because the dark past is that the keeper, A.J. Anderson, was murdered in the house in 1938. People were traveling up the river and noticed that the light was unattended. This is when it still had the light. The light was unattended, and after a couple of people went by and saw it, they decided to finally investigate. Well, they found his body floating face down in the river after searching for more than a week. The autopsy showed that he had died from a broken neck. They found the lighthouse had been ransacked in disarray and that they, he had obviously struggled with his attackers. But those attackers were never found, and his murder to this day has still never been solved. I wish that that building still stood. I'm sure the stories that building could tell, um, and I have no doubt it was probably haunted. But I would love to have seen a river lighthouse. I thought that was really cool. Um, although I do, I do feel bad for Mr. Anderson. Um, and I, I hope that if his, if, since his attackers were never found, that they did at least get some kind of justice. Now, like I said, Florida doesn't have the most lighthouses in the U.S., but it certainly does have some historic ones. And I obviously didn't touch on all of them, because I'm sure you all are screaming, well, what about St. Augustine, and what about Pensacola, and what about, um, the other ones that I've missed? So, you know that there means there will be a part two sometime in the future. I do think that lighthouses are fun to visit, and they definitely give you amazing views of the surrounding area, but they also allow you to realize how far Florida has come and to preserve some of its history. Florida does take care of its lighthouses uh, that are usually surrounded by beautiful lands that let you make the most of your day while visiting one of the sunny parts of Florida. You just have to be on the lookout for wildlife, for beautiful bird hunting, but of course you also have to be on the lookout for Florida's most annoying creature. No, not mosquitoes, even if you're in Mosquito Inlet visiting uh, Ponce Island State, Ponce Inlet, Ponce, whatever. Words today, guys. The Ponce Lighthouse. Um, I am actually talking about Florida Man. You should always be on the lookout for Florida Man. And today's Florida Man story is um, not a funny one. It's more of a warning. Um, and it kind of hits close to home as a woman who's uh, worked in food service and had some interesting co-workers uh 
But it's more of me telling you guys to be aware of your surroundings. Uh, to keep... To keep aware of the people around you. To keep a lookout when you're walking to your car. Even in, even not at night, just any time of the day. Keep Keep aware of yourself and everything that is around you. A Florida woman in Miami was stabbed by her coworker after she turned him down on numerous occasions. All right, you have one shot and that's it. And if they say no, that's it. You don't get another chance. Um, if someone is bothering you, ask for help. If it is at your job, then make aware of your job. Keep a log of what's going on. Let people know. Do not be afraid to ask for help. You guys do not be afraid to go to the police. If someone is continuously bothering you, um, I read this story and it was said that she was always nice, but this man was obsessed for her with her and her workplace knew about it. Please, please, please ask for help. Um, if your job is, if your job, it comes to that in your job, there are plenty of jobs out there, guys. You, you will find another one. Never put yourself in jeopardy for anything like that. So be aware of your surroundings. Keep your wits about you. Um, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask somebody to walk you to your car at night. So just, I just wanted to give you guys that as a word of warning because it does hit close to home, especially walking to my car at night or walking, you know, by myself certain places. Um, Just always be aware of your surroundings, guys. So I hope that you all enjoyed the Lighthouse Tour around Florida. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, turn on your notifications. And if you have a second, a five-star review on Apple or now Spotify would be fantastic as it lets more people know about the podcast. Don't forget to check out my alligator video. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for starting off the new year with the podcast. Reach out if you need someone to talk to, guys. Email me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm pretty good about answering, I promise. Uh, leave a comment or a suggestion on social media if you have an idea. If you guys want to tag that Florida feeling, using that hashtag, that Florida feeling, uh, with your pictures on Instagram, I love sharing them. I love seeing what you guys take pictures of in Florida and your parts of Florida and being able to share them with others. Don't forget to drink water, wear sunscreen, bundle up if you're in the snowy parts of the world. By the way, I did see on Anchor that I have people listening from Germany, so guten tag to you guys. Be nice to each other, and as always, that's your daily dose of sunshine.